0: Hello everyone, I'm Casey, your host, and I'm super excited about the guest we have today, Dan DeLorde. He is a workforce leader who has been working within the agency space for 16 or so years, thinking about workforce innovation, the contingent workforce, all kinds of stuff, and we're gonna dive into it today. So without further ado, welcome, Dan.
1: Thank you, Casey. Um, We were talking offline before around uh, how aging uh, that makes, or age, that makes me feel um, for that introduction, but I still appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's crazy how the time flies, especially since COVID, I feel like the last few years just went by so quickly and um, yeah, it's like been a blank, but um, yeah, it's so great to have you here today. I'm super excited to uh, to chat, um, but let's just start with a bit of a, an introduction on you. So can you just tell me a bit about your experience in the agency world and with kind of workforce innovation?
1: I, I've, as you said, I've, I've always been in agencies, um, either service agencies or, or creative agencies. And mostly recently I learned talent acquisition strategy for uh, RGA. Um, their global creative innovation company. And so this meant defining what we wanted to do, um, how we were going to do it across talent, capability, and growth, um, including things like project team scaling, organization design, succession planning, and generally trying to deliver world-class talent um, at the right point in time in a, in a just-in-time delivery way.
0: Awesome. Um, well, let's dive into that a little bit about the um, like, talent innovation piece within the agency world. So broadly, I guess at the minute, kind of in the current climate, what do you see... Um, external workers, freelancers, contractors, what do you see, Um what role do you see them playing? Do you think it's changed based on like everything that's happened in the recent years with COVID and now with kind of this economic downturn we're looking at?
1: In terms of the, the importance of freelancers?
0: Yeah, the importance of freelancers, the freelance world generally, like Have you noticed there be kind of like a surge in people going that direction just based on kind of experiences they've had maybe with layoffs or um, just kind of wanting to take control or maintain control, maybe coming out of this like flexible remote setup and then, you know, companies now kind of a little bit, some companies changing their tune. I know you were at RGA and they had a really flexible approach to kind of distributed creativity, but it seems that a lot of companies are kind of going a bit back on that. Um, So have, yeah, have you kind of noticed any shifts uh, within the space?
1: There's a a lot of shifts forwards and aggressive at the moment. I think, um, so RJ, when I joined, talked about um, an approach to freelance as in how you would staff a project. So you would probably have 20%, 25% flex in your project. Um, and then that was scaled out from an organizational perspective as well. And I, I think, as you said, there've been huge amounts of macro pressures uh, on that uh, over the years and, and that kind of approach has changed. You know, I think the why freelance was always important is still is still valid um, to deal with capacity, uh issues or bringing in specialized capability um, particularly in changeable businesses like agencies um that's that's never going to go away um and to create some form of external bench um there's it, you know we talk about agencies we talk about also other service businesses um and the difference in multiples on salaries between marketing service businesses and consulting service businesses is probably like two or three times the difference. So being able to run an internal bench as you can in the consultancy versus um, not being able to do that in an agency business and having to work in different ways. Um, I think the, the the change that's happened over the last few years is around unlocking talent everywhere and building distributed teams um, that's only a good thing in terms of the diversity of perspective that you can bring in. Um, and it also means that it also talks to the fact that not all of the best talent is in permanent jobs. Um, they don't have to be, um, they can be consultants. They can be career freelancers. They can choose much more around when they work. Um, but for the, the organizational side, it gives you that commercial flexibility to have freelance, particularly in these uncertain times of forecasting. Um, yeah, there's very little market or investor or client confidence at the moment. So being able to change dial up and dial down, how you structure your business and how you structure your workforce is really important. And as you said, there's a huge amount of talent, new talent coming into the market or freelance market with the layoffs that have been happening recently. Um, many of these people it will be their first time freelancing and there's it's a new world and they will need support from organizations both that they're working with and they're being supported by and how to navigate that in the best way yeah
0: that um that makes sense and i i feel like yeah agencies are one of the the spaces i feel like that's been leveraging this freelance network and this external workforce for a long time they've always been kind of like tapping into it but it seems that there's even more of that now just given like you say people are kind of turning to become like career freelancers or you know new different skill sets um are kind of coming in to work in that way because they want more control um and we you know we've been talking to some of the freelancers that that we work with and um or that our our clients work with and just to understand a bit about like you know how did they choose who they work with because sometimes it's you know, in their hands, and and the demand is, is really fair for these people, so they have a lot of choice. And what's interesting is, it, you know, even though this freelance workforce is growing, I think a lot of companies still struggle to create strategies, if you will, for like how to deal with them and see them just as like this last resort, um, you know, other resource versus like a pool of people, um. And so, yeah, I guess the conversation that's like come out of that um, that I that I've been seeing is kind of this idea of like freelancer retention or how you build a network, a strong network of people that you know you can retire, that you know want to work with you again and again. But it's it takes a lot of work to like create those relationships and ensure that you keep them within your talent pool. So, from your perspective, like what should agencies be doing to ensure they can, you know, retain, if you will, these people and you know, build these strong relationships, ensuring they have this super strong kind of like super force of, of freelancers um, on their bench when they need them.
1: Well, I, I agree with you that freelance now looks very different to freelance, uh, let's say 16 years ago when when I was starting. it. Um, <clears throat> I remember having clients at that point who would put all of their freelancers in the basement with no windows. And there was a very kind of like, as a them divide, um, there was a, a kind of a hierarchical structure to it rather than a, a mutual appreciation of what each side was bringing to that. Um, so I think it's, it's really key for organizations to be able to retain or, or rehire talent um, efficiently. Uh, I was on a, a webinar this week, it came up that uh, the average US enterprise wastes 4.5 million dollars in productivity by failing to preserve and share knowledge and a huge amount of knowledge in agency businesses is based around people um you know what they're doing what their role is um how they work together how you form teams and collapse teams um and i think how you understand people's skills and um bring those together so having a way to run your freelance operation that isn't just a kind of a whack-a-mole approach of there is a reactive needs um, and we need to deal with that, but as in it is a strategic arm of your workforce planning that is, um, offers you a, a way to work in different ways, um, and build that cumulative intelligence of that part of your workforce so that every time you're not starting from scratch, um, you are always building on it. Um, and you can then continue to move quickly or with agility, which is a key advantage of, the work, of what working with freelancers should bestow. Um, so I think if you don't have that set up to begin with, it makes that process of retaining um, and rehiring freelance talent, all the more difficult. And you particularly factor in that people then go off into the market uh, again after working with you and they essentially become advocates for you or or potentially detractors for your brand. So every interaction, although it might seem small from a company perspective in terms of their annual plan or their five-year plan, still has an impact on the people experience, on your employer brand on your ability to create the right workforce at the next point in time you need to do it
0: yeah it's um it's interesting and i feel like there's a few different factors that come into play like one is creating relationships and like the basement thing is so real isn't it i feel like as well when i first started working that was like it was almost like sending people into like the supply closet or something <laughs> Just finding like a last resort desk that was, yeah, totally separate. Um, but yeah, we've co- we've come so far and I think, you know, there's still work to be done and both on like educating people like what, you know, what the future of a workforce is and it it isn't just, you know, having a traditional, maybe full-time permanent group and then a separate, you know, temporary group. It's like the workforce is going to look very varied and understanding how to like deal with that from relationships or information sharing or all of those things is is key. And then I think there's um you know another part of this, which is like maybe part of this like direct sourcing conversation that's become very big in the industry, which is how do you maintain visibility and control within an organization to understand who you worked with before? And even with like all the technology we have, it seems like this is something companies still are like, having incredible difficulty doing um, and uh, maintaining. Um, So like, have you had the experience with that? Or maybe when you were at RGA, like how did you guys like focus on gaining control and visibility and um, creating a more like seamless approach for all teams to kind of access the good talent or the the specialized in demand skill sets that you needed? Or, Or was it something you guys also struggled with?
1: um well again first of all i I totally agree with you that we're we are definitely moving to a more diversified way of engaging with organizations um and, and also operating models as we talked about earlier for in terms of talent for them um it's rather than what is their form of employment the question is who is the best person for the job and i totally believe that there will be more freelance volume and more freelance opportunity on the back of that um there was an upwork survey at the end of last year um which identified that nearly 60 percent of hiring managers that use freelance in their organizations anticipated um using an increased volume of freelance during the year ahead so i think if you if you're an organization that that is comfortable in that space and and looking at the future of work through that lens then um there is only one direction of using more of it, but using it more intentionally. Um and I think having the tools to do that is is a major challenge. Um when I started at RGA there was nothing essentially. There was um there were some very talented people in the talent team, um, and there was outlook inboxes and people's heads. And that's how stuff ran. And you know, we've managed or we managed to get to a point of um much more systemized approach, much more collaborative sharing across geographies, but there isn't one system that does everything. Um, and I think, you know, we, we were lucky enough to work with WorkSum and scale it out across EMEA and APAC, um, but it, there is still always more that goes around in, certain, in terms of like the talent operation. So how do those systems integrate? Um, How do you automate that um, so that there is you're not just like adding capability here, but increasing the manual nature of what you're doing with systems that don't talk to each other? Um, So having a system that works across as much of that um, internal information collection for that can competitive intelligence for that, and you know, sort of building on that um is is really important. Um and I think you know, there's there's the internal side of that and then there's the external side of, you know, we've broken down geographic barriers now, but there is still there are still compliance or regulatory barriers around how you pay people in different locations um and how you are how they are supported through that and how you are protected through that as an organisation. Um, and I think that's the the next gap um, that that hopefully will be closed from a globalized um, workforce perspective is how that becomes there is less friction in that process. It certainly doesn't exist in the kind of permanent engagement at the moment with employer of record stuff. That that feels very clunky. It is starting to get there with freelance, um, and I hope over the next year two years we'll get to the point of being able to pay into any market, into any currency in real time.
0: Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up compliance. I feel like that's such a, a big part of this too, even just in a market like the U- UK with IR35 or the US you know, has similar um, tax laws that are creating a lot of swirl and confusion for businesses and the contractors. How do you think that like impact like the way a company or an agency approaches those things? Like, how do you think that impacts the relationship they have with their external workforce? Like, have you seen that like in real life, you know, impacts either how they hire people or or not hiring people, or um, you know, yeah, giving them a bad experience through misclassification or, um, yeah, what is your experience been like within that space?
1: Well, I I think that um. You know, we talk about that kind of operational side of it. Um, my view on that is that the excellence on the operational side should almost be invisible. Like you shouldn't be in compliant or being paid on time or you know making sure that your contract is mm-hmm. uh, is fit for the market. That that should all be something that just happens quite seamlessly. Um, and that's why it's important to work with the right tools, the right partners. Um, so that, that does, you're not leading with that. What you're leading is with where's the best talent, who's the right person for this job and how can we work together in, in a way that, um, feels exciting and feels engaging. Um, and I think it's, there's, there's such, there's even more, uh, I was gonna say pressure, but there's, um. You know kind of incentive from agency perspectives at the moment you know i look at the holding companies not not just particularly looking at the holding companies i've had experience of um and they're they're much more moving to um away from revenue growth to margin growth so that means that you're as well as looking to access the best talent Around the world, you're also looking to access talent at different price points. Um, so, you know, your uh, your shared service centers, your opcos in markets in Latin or in Africa um, or different parts of Europe become increasingly more important. Um, and it, you know, I think we're seeing in agencies. We talked about kind of with with freelancers and perm staff. There was a kind of hierarchy before, and traditionally in agencies, there was a hierarchy in terms of the office. Um, I think you're moving away from that now. That every well, firstly, I think we're moving to a country-based model for agencies. It's less around organising around the city, more around you know organising around the UK um, or the US as as broad as it is. But um, we're you know within that, there's democratization of um different locations of your agency that each has a role to play, each is valuable, um, and each can contribute great talent to that. Um I'm not sure that I answered all of your question, but
0: No, I mean it, but it's all it's all really true, isn't it? It's like we live in this globalized world in so many ways. I think we we learned a lot in the last few years I mean, you you don't necessarily need to be in person. You can work with people anywhere, and you can access skill sets that you couldn't before if you lean into that. Um, But then there's all of this like regulation and and compliance that can kind of get in the way, and it's such a shame. Like we shouldn't be letting that type of admin stop us from, you know, producing the best work. And I think especially within a creative industry, right? Like you often have clients that need things in in multiple languages, or you know, need input from different. yeah, different markets. And the fact that like we like we've in the past or even currently are like limited by, you know, whether it's like Brexit laws or um tax laws or or even just like fundamentally complicated payment terms, um, just feels like a little bit arbitrary, but I feel like it actually is a real challenge that is kind of stopping some of uh some of that innovation from from coming to light. So yeah, I think it's I think it's something that um I don't know it's definitely top of mind for I think the industry right now and um yeah I think it's a uh, something we need to we need to solve and we need to solve quickly.
1: But I think you you're you're totally right because the more time that we you put into that sort of granular operation, the less time you get to put into creating communities, creating experiences, creating a sense of purpose, which if you look at the the permanent side of engaging talent in the business. The, those are all the things that are so front of mind at the moment. Um, you know, m- Much more long-term thinking around personal development um, and, and shared behaviors and purpose. And, you know, I'm, I'm very aware from having done that over multiple markets of the, the distinctions that you have to have between a freelance workforce and the permanent workforce, but um, it's not around offering benefits to the freelance workforce, but how, how do you facilitate a, a benefit or the right involvement in the right kind of environment and behavior. So, you know, I think, I hope that there there is progress on the compliance piece, because I, I think the more interesting questions are around like, what does it mean for someone to be part of your freelance network? Um, and what does that entitle them to, how do they feel about it? Um, and there's, there's still, even within all of the regulation that happens, there's still a whole bunch of stuff that you can do. Um, and I think that will help organizations stand out so that freelance isn't as overly practical. Uh, mechanism It's part of their overall workforce strategy and means that it's people want to be a part of their business in a freelance capacity
0: yeah absolutely um so yeah i guess why we're talking about these kind of things we want to see happen in the future like what are some of your predictions for this space like what are you hoping to see happen in the next few years um and maybe what are you, yeah, like excited, like what trends are you kind of excited about that are already happening, um, yeah, within the agency space and just generally like the workforce space?
1: Well, I think it's, this sort of model is, is definitely here to stay. Um, RJ, we, well, it kind of came out of pandemic of and uh, the kind of the proposition to our people during that point was you do you um, and make sure you are taking care of yourself and working in a way that works for you. Um, Part of that was working where you need to work. And that has evolved now into a more symbiotic approach that the company is taking around the distributed creativity model. Um, And it it factors in a whole bunch of the stuff that we've been talking about earlier around accessing talent um, and moving to country models uh, and looking at price points. So I think I think agencies want to embrace this model. Um, and I think as capabilities become more globalized, you know you will have the best people in brand design in your organization won't be linked just because they're all in the New York office. They'll be spread around, but you know they will have an identity, a community as the brand design capability within your organization. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that around, again, how do you create a sense of identity within either just a dis, uh, distributed organization or a distributed unit? How do you create the right communication cadence, the right behaviors? Um, but I, I think from a company perspective, a lot of it is here to stay. And I think you're starting to see countries leaning to that. Um, my wife Spanish, so uh, Spain have just re- released the digital nomad visa, um, and you know there have been other countries who had more flexible approaches to allowing people to come and work and contribute to the economy for a period of time, and that's particularly around um, digital talent or, or kind of um, collaborative design talent. Um, so I think from you know. There's a desire from an individual level. There is, you know, it's becoming part of the operating model for companies, and countries are starting to kind of put in place those mechanisms that will help support that.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. um, I think so much is going to just come out of the next few years. Playlist B, and potentially we'll get to a place where we don't even view these workforces as something different, just different elements of one big, you know one big workforce all kind of hopefully working towards the same goal. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly excited to watch it, especially within the agency space. I think they often, that, you know, th- that industry really leads the way when it comes to, like, leveraging this talent pool. Um, and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be cool to see how it all uh, comes to fruition. Um, but we are out of time. So I just want to wrap up by uh, asking, I always like to ask my guests a few uh, just more fun questions, so we can get to know you a bit. Um, so the first one is just like a bit leaning into the technology side. Is there like one app or maybe it's a website or something that you like could live without? And it doesn't necessarily have to be work related. Um, but yeah, like what's your kind of favorite piece of technology that you are? Uh, yeah, you would be super sad if you couldn't have it anymore. Uh,
1: this is really boring, but I'm. I'm not. I couldn't really live without um, my my calendar app. Like I organise my life through that, and that's a way for me to like self organise, self support. Um, this year though, I've been really um, getting much more involved in um, using Slack in terms of the talent communities that are around. And I think, I think again, you know, you can have your support network within an organisation, but this is. Led to me having a sport network, collective network outside of an organization. That's been quite opening for me. I think I've struggled to go back on that one.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Slack's done yeah a really good job in I think creating a a format that like lets communities um, like really come to life. So yeah, love to hear that. And um, I agree with you on the calendar app. It's like Google Maps. I don't like know what we did before we had these things. Um, awesome. Uh, and then the second one is: Do you have like a favorite like podcast or TV show, um, either like that you kind of lean into to stay up to date on like work related stuff, or just generally like if you are going to recommend something to a friend, what would it be at the moment?
1: Well, it, as we touched on earlier, it, it doesn't translate to every location because uh, it's UK based. But I'm really into Race Across the World, at the moment which is on iPlayer. Um, check it out if you can, from a series perspective, it's fascinating. It's like a total bucket list stuff of, uh, that I'd love to do. Um, but in terms of like work podcasts, um, I just sort of found the striving and thriving group They're they're Australia based, um, they have a podcast series around, um, career development and, um, kind of see where I'm looking to go, but they've, they've got a series of episodes on moving from TA towards people and culture. Um, so I've, I've been loving those
0: recently. Cool. Awesome. I'll have to check that out and yeah, I'm super excited to watch that show. Um, and then the last one, I'm a big foodie personally, so I always like to get inspired. Um, but what's your like favorite snack to have when you're at work to keep you going or just like that you look forward to?
1: So I, I'm a foodie as well and I, I like nice food, but I love, I love cooking. I will also put anything in the sandwich, really. Um, so and it could be leftovers. It could be like very random uh, mixes. So I don't think like my eating habits at home are sort of you know they're they're kind of like more interesting than um tasteful, I think
0: okay. What's like the most interesting sandwich you've made recently?
1: I um, i i basically put a race dinner in sandwich on the weekend I wow. love that.
0: was it in a yorkshire pudding or was it in actual bread
1: actual bread okay. yeah. <laughs> it was love- cool.
0: okay. amazing um all right well i guess that wraps it up but uh, thank you so much for joining me today this has been really fun and um yeah i can't wait to continue the conversation in the months to come and see if, if all of this stuff comes to to be reality. Um and yeah. Good luck to you.
1: Thank you. Uh, I think as, as long as we can keep pressure on from a from an agency perspective and uh and a partner perspective, then hopefully um you know globalized trends keep pace with us.
0: Awesome. Cool. All right. Bye everybody.
1: See you soon.